Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast, Season 6, Episode 12. You have to let the athletes know you care about them. They're going to go to social media, Coach, why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing that? And if you let the kids know that you care about every little thing they do on the court, off the court, on the field, uh, off the field, boy, you've got them. This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast. I'm Eric McMahon. Today, we're joined by two veteran strength and conditioning coaches, Chip Sigman and Jerry Palmieri. And we're going to talk about the golden age of strength and conditioning, a book from 2019, where 32 college and professional strength and conditioning coaches shared their stories from the golden years of strength and conditioning. On this podcast, we talk a lot about coaching journeys across all generations of coaches. This episode will take us back a bit to the early years of our field with two very experienced coaches who contributed to the book. Chip, welcome. Thanks for being with us. Eric, great to be with you. Cannot thank you enough for uh, allowing us to share the book. Yeah, absolutely. I, this episode really came together. Uh, you and I just jumping on a call and uh, we both happened to have the book on our desk and we were just talking through some of the stories. And and Jerry, we've we've also connected on this, some of these stories in the book and uh, excited to have you with us too. That's great to be here. Looking forward to it. I want to give both of you the chance to share the story of just how how this book came together. I think it's really impressive, just the number of uh, experienced coaches that that contributed. And Chip, I'll let you lead the way on this one. Thanks, Eric, once again. Um, you know, it's three years this month, and I'll be getting something out to all the coaches who contributed on the book. We've got 32 coaches who contributed, uh, two exercise sports scientists, uh, Dr. Michael Stone, Travis Triplett, and who I was with at Appalachian State, Dr. Michael Stone, uh, with him at Appalachian State. But anyway, it was three years ago. It was November. It was a cold, rainy. Then I'll just quote the, I can do it from, you know, not looking at it, of course, but it was uh, a cold, rainy Monday morning, um, November uh, 2019. And I was on my way to work. And I happened to call Mike Gentry, uh, who had just retired from Virginia Tech, just asked him how he was doing. And um, we got to talking and he said, Chip, he said, by the way, uh, we're talking about the good old days, strength conditioning. He says, by the way, how much did you make at Appalachian State when you first started when you were hired? I was hired from, I uh, was assistant strength coach at the University of North Carolina, along with Jerry Palmieri. And um, how much did, so I went to Appalachia State, head strength coach, their very first one in 1984. And uh, Mac Brown, who's now the head football coach at Carrot University, North Carolina, hired me. And of course, along with athletic director and others. But uh, um, he said, how much did you start out making money at Appalachian State? And I said, uh, well, nothing, Mike. Uh, I got room and board and uh, training table, and that was it. I said, well, how about you? He said, well, you got me beat. 
and I, I think it's in the book, it's 12,000 something around there, low number. He said, you got me beat, I made that. He said, uh, and I said, well, you know, uh, he said, uh, I told him, I said, well, that's, that sounds like the golden, those were the gold, that was the golden age of strength conditioning. And he said, you know what, Chip? He said, that sounds like a book. <laughs> so we hung up, we talked a little bit and you know, I started, my brain started going, I've always got to be working on a project. And um, so I got to thinking, I called Jerry, told him my idea, let's get some coaches together, tell their stories. I called Bill Ferran, strength coach of Miami Heat. Uh, he was the strength coach for the Miami Hurricanes under Jimmy Johnson. I called Alan Johnson, uh, was at East Tennessee State at the time. He was at uh, West Virginia, Ohio State University. And uh, let me see, I'm forgetting anybody. That's it, Mike uh, Gentry, of course. I was going to uh, include him. I needed some help. So I got a core group together of us coaches, Mike Gentry, Jerry, um, Alan Johnson, and Bill Ferran, and along myself. And we started it. And we came up with, okay, 32 coaches. We, first it was 25. We talked, the, talked to the uh, publisher about more. We added 32 plus the two exercise science uh, professors, sports science professors. Um, so we, uh, we added that. Uh, we started with 25, we got to 32. Uh, the rules were uh, you had to be a strength coach in collegiate or professional level in the 70s or 80s. If it was January 1990, <laughs> you were out. <laughs> so, and then of course the publisher. And so that started the ball rolling. And two years later, in March of 2021, uh, it was uh, or uh, 2020, excuse, not 2019. I'm sorry, 2019. Um, it was it was done, and we got it out to all the coaches, and then social media, and uh, so uh, very very. It was it was nothing short of an act of God putting it together. The publisher backed out one time, and um, we talked him into it, and they did a great job for us. Uh, it's published by the core media group. And then I'll say one more thing then Jerry, I'm going to let you, I know I'm forgetting something, but we had to have, we had to come up with some money. And so we had to get some sponsors. Um, I worked at Europa sports, did my sports training out of there. They're a nutritional company. I knew site sport maker of muscle milk. I called them Bill Ferran knew the people at Woodway Treadmill, cardio, he called them. And uh, then Mike Gentry called William Strength, Total Speed and Strength. Uh, he was familiar with them, had a relationship with them. All three loved the idea. They were able to tell their, their story in the book, how Cytomax Muscle Milk started, how William Strength started, Total Strength and Speed, and of course, Woodway Treadmill, and how they were involved in college and uh, collegiate and professional sports. So in a nutshell, I think that's about it. Jerry, what am I, what am I leaving out? That it was, it was a long, it was a long two years. I'll tell you that of uh, a lot of stuff, Jerry. Well, it was, we, we had more than 25. We had more than 32. We contacted a lot of guys to get those 32. Uh, 
amazingly, some guys didn't want to do it. Some guys started doing it and then had to drop out. So, um, yeah, it, it was a lot of phone calls to contact these people. And by all, no means is it all inclusive. There were guys, like I said, some guys uh, decided not to do it. Uh, it was inconvenient for them. And uh, yeah, quite frankly, some guys that were probably overlooked in the process as well. But we feel we got good representation to give a good story of what um, what it was like back in the early days of the profession. Uh, and so guys can contrast what it is to the way it is now. Yeah, what I really like hearing come through in that story is, you know, the resourcefulness we use as coaches, you know, just to get this book published, you really had to uh, dig deep and find a way to, you know, get it funded and get the information together. And, and it was a, uh, a really collaborative process. I was connecting with Boyd Epley recently, and uh, we were doing some recordings actually. Uh, and we were talking about just the just being called the founder of the NSCA. And one thing he said was, you know, there were a lot of us around at that time. And it was a bunch of people coming together to bring together a collective voice for strength and conditioning professionals. And this book really highlights that, you know, I like the seventies and eighties and a lot of coaches today don't really have a lot of knowledge, maybe before we were born, you know, and, uh, I won't, I won't age myself here for, for all the listeners, but um, I, I've got a lot less experience than what you guys collectively bring and everyone in this book. And I think it really uh, is a positive to encourage coaches of today, uh, aspiring strength and conditioning coaches to dig into this and just hear what it was like years ago. Um, Jerry, one thing I, I really like talking to you about this, you know, you won the NSCA President's Award, you know, recognized by the NSCA this past year for your contributions to the field over many years, uh, most notably in the NFL. But really, you got your start in sport with the sport of boxing, and that's something I don't hear a whole lot about. Uh, dive into your story a little bit and share that with us. Well, yeah, you know, my, my, my dad taught us all how to fight just so we wouldn't get beat up in the street. That was a, um, a boxer growing up out of New York City. And so it just took a, just took a liking to it. And, um, you know, my skill level was pretty good. So you kind of do the things that, that you're, you excel in. And uh, the good Lord opened the doors for me to, to have a good path of, um, of competition. I was able to compete at the state level in New Jersey, compete nationally, uh, have my highest ranking of fifth in the country. As a light heavyweight, and then also competed internationally as well. So it was good. The amazing thing about it, though, of course, back in in, in that era in the seventies, uh, boxes wouldn't touch weights. So I didn't do any kind of resistance training until um, I graduated from college. And um, a friend asked me, "Say, hey, a new a new Nautilus Club is opening up uh, in uh, a neighboring town. So why don't you come over there and work with us?" I told him, I don't know anything about lifting weights. So he said, no, nah, it's easy. So I, uh, I went and did it. Well, uh, after my first season of coaching football, I had a, a, a dead time. So uh, I did it at night while I taught in the, uh, in, during the day. And that kind of triggered my interest 
to find out more about how the body responds to uh, to exercise. I went off my graduate degree in North Carolina, and that's where I met Chip. We were both, uh, well, I was the volunteer. Chip was a part-time uh, strength coach Carolina. That's how we started. And uh, our friendship began back in 1982 and has continued all these years. Wow. Chip, you, you mentioned Appalachian State, and I think your chapter in the book kicks off with uh, being a junior at Appalachian State and in 1977. want to give you a chance to uh, talk about some of the stops you've had, everything from working in the NBA at the college level, high school, and uh, even you know thriving in the private sector, working with with athletes and clients. Yeah, it's um, it's been a a very rewarding um, a life, uh, Eric. I'll tell you, I've been very blessed. Uh, the same with Jerry, as as deal with well with Jerry. But uh, yeah, at Appalachian State, a student, I had, um, I was into bodybuilding after playing junior college football and uh, won some state titles and some other contests. And, and the baseball pl- uh, coach, uh, Jim Morris, said, Chip, um, they had a, just an old universal and a few free weights uh, in, in the gymnastics room. Said, Chip, why don't you be the head strength coach? or come and help uh, the baseball team. And uh, that was out of the box and not many baseball teams were lifting weights. And so I put something together for them. I had students everywhere asking me for workouts, football players at Appalachian State. They didn't have anything at that time, writing up programs for them. They had an old barbell club down in the basement of the of the gym. And uh, so uh, that's how it got kind of got started uh the our team in 77 uh the Appalachian State baseball team won the Southern Conference led the nation in home runs uh and then I went to high school and coached high school football track and helped with the strength conditioning program there and then from there in 1984 went to University of North Carolina so in my my uh, background Jerry's in boxing and mine of course in bodybuilding and People back then, I remember Appalachian State hired me, but but I had to tell them, convince them, listen, when I'm not going to try to make them bodybuilders, um, I'm going to make them football players. And the, I remember one of the coaches saying, well, I'm so glad to hear that. And, and Mac Brown just nodded his head. But nowadays, as we know, there is sort, I remember going up to Liberty University. My daughter went to school there and meeting Bill Gillespie, which I'd known him. And, and uh, my daughter ended up, she was, she was a video photographer there, and she ended up taking pictures of the football players uh, just in shorts and the, big, the before and after pictures of the football team. Well, that's sort, of, that's sort of bodybuilding. Of course, you're not going on the stage. We out now have um, periodization plans for hypertrophy. And of course, they're not, you know what I'm, I'm talking about. They're not going on stage, of course, but there are times uh, for muscle, muscular development because the more muscle, of course, the more contractile properties involved. So um, that uh, at University of North Carolina and then being hired at uh, the head strength coach going back to Appalachian State uh, to be their first uh, full-time 
strength and conditioning coach. And it wasn't in there until uh, two years later where uh, my first full-time uh, uh, check, I remember, uh, was $21,000 a year. And uh, so, and then from there in 1990, going on with the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA um, for about 10 or 11 years before they left it for New Orleans. And now, of course, in the private sector uh, uh, with uh, Sigmund Sports Performance at present, uh, there was a time 10 years ago after the Hornets where I went to work for Ortho Carolina um, and their strength conditioning program, a sports performance program, but also assisted with physical therapy, which made me, in essence, a, very, uh, a better strength conditioning coach, uh, really helped me tremendously with rehab and of athletes and so forth. So it's been a, um, a very now, as I said, uh, with, uh, with my own uh, business which now I'm having to go out and hunt for food. I used to get a check from all those teams and, and, um, and businesses, uh, but it's in my latter years, very, very rewarding. Uh, still working with athletes. I still have that passion and purpose for it and the excitement. And I will leave here and I've got to think I've got about eight or nine athletes coming in tonight. It's going to be a, uh, in one facility. So, uh, but very, very rewarding. And it's still, Eric, it's still, and Jerry can attest to this, it's making a difference uh, in key, kids' life. Uh, this is a country where, when, and you feel sorry for kind of what's going on right now, those other countries uh, are, are not able to excel every day. But here, um, we're able to excel, able to be the very best we can be in everyday situations. And uh, we are so... Uh, we are so blessed. This is a very, very rewarding profession where you're making a difference. And every kid on that football team or whatever sport it is, you're making a difference in their lives. You're getting better on the field, in the weight room, of course, but as a person, a better student, a better person, a better athlete. Yeah, that, that really says a lot about, you know, the passion and just how connected coaches feel to our profession. And I think, you know, anyone who gets into a service profession like strength and conditioning, where you are putting the needs of, of others, um, often first, I mean, you talked about how low some of the salaries are and how challenging it can be to just to get, get into the field and just those, those hurdles, but that passion and that level of care, um, uh, it's, it's really refreshing and to hear that even going back to the very beginning, that that was really important uh, for as it is today. And I think coaches who dedicate their, their self to this path really connect along those same lines, whether um, they have an injury or a setback or a coach that motivates them or some, someone that motivates them to, to excel and, and push themselves. Um, but man, that's powerful. Just, you know, how you connected to that, to what's going on in the world. And I think it's an important perspective for all of us to have, uh, Jerry, I want to ask you, you know, you know, when we talk about this book, it's, it's a lot about the coaching journey, you know, and, and the different paths people take, uh, you guys, you know, from boxing to bodybuilding, you know, we hear about Olympic weightlifting, powerlifting foundations, you know, what are some of the themes that you've seen in strength and conditioning that come through in the book 
of just how coaches have uh, navigated their career paths and that, that might be important for coaches of today to, to dive into? Well, I think that the, the, what's important for people to understand to read the book is, is where the profession came from and what it was like in the beginning. We, um, you know, back in those early days, there was a director of strength and conditioning and that director was in charge of all the strength and conditioning that went on at the uh, university throughout the athletic department. And many times it, it could just be that one coach who was training the athletes or it could be that coach and a GA or a part-timer, or you may be able to get an assistant. My first assistant got paid $5,000. So, um, you know, so from, from that standpoint, it was, it was, it was uh, quite, quite a bit different. And those, uh, um, you really had to sell what you were doing because at that point, uh, a lot of athletes didn't believe in weight training. They didn't think it was going to help. And then coaches didn't believe it was going to help their athletes. So um, there's a lot of salesmanship taking place and you had to present, you know, present to them what you were doing and get them to buy in. Um, whereas now, you know, kids are lifted in high school when they're coming into college, you know, with advanced training already. But I think the, uh, uh, the path that we all took is we just loved it. We just loved investing in, and athletes, we, we, we love the idea that we're helping athletes get better. And I think the key thing about a strength coach is, is you don't have to make a decision whether or not a, a guy makes a team or gets cut, um, who's gonna start. So if you're helping a kid get better, then that in and of itself brings value to you and, and be able to pour into the lives of, of, of these athletes that we get blessed to, to, to coach. That, that's kind of been the, uh, I think the theme between everybody, they just, they, they just loved investing into, into people and helping them get better and improve their skills. Whether that was getting to a point where they can, uh, they can make their high school team or they can, you know, go on and get a scholarship or become a starter, whatever, whatever that level is, just helping them to get better. And that, that, that was rewarding to all of us. Chip, do you feel like working with athletes today is, is different than it was years ago, just building off of some of the things Jerry's talking about of, you know, having to sell the, sell the profession and sell weight training early to athletes that maybe didn't buy into it. And now athletes come in with the expectation that strength and conditioning is more of more of the process. Um, what, what have you seen? Yeah, the process is correct. Back when we first started, there was no social media. So boy, the athletes, they just took to us. Um, we were the fathers of the football program. We were with them all the time at LDR too. And what we said was gold. Um, they just, I mean, the relationships and Jerry can say this too. I, I'll get off just a little bit, then get back on track, but I still get letters and emails and of course, Facebook and Instagram for athletes. I coached, I know Jerry does too. Uh, there's a great bond, um, uh, incredible bond. Uh, now I'll tell you this, I was hard on my players because uh, I wanted to, to know if they can make it through my workouts, they can make it through life. 
sometimes when I go back to Appalachian State or Charlotte Hornets or wherever, if I see an old athlete, I don't know if they're going to hug me or hit me <laughs> because, and most of that get hugs, but I worked them. And I know Jerry did too in a, in a loving way though. Um, nowadays, I still have great relationships with athletes. You have to let the athletes know you care about them. They're going to go to social media, coach. Why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing that? But if you really, the social media doesn't care about them. And if you let the kids know that you care about every little thing they do on the court, off the court, on the field, uh, off the field, boy, you've got them. And uh, sometimes I'll let a kid, 50, I have 15 minutes left, 10 minutes left. All right, now what's the thing that you need to work on? What are some things you need to uh, go a little freelance a little bit? Um, so it, it really, it's all about, it's still, uh, Eric, it's still about caring about the athletes. And that's why I think the strength conditioning coach, now they have, I've coached all, I, I was strength coach for all the teams. First year, I had no assistance whatsoever. I'm in the, it's a dungeon, no windows. I'm in there from five o'clock. I walk out, the sun is, it's dark. I walk out, it's dark. Eat lunch, and there's no windows, I eat lunch in my office. Sometimes I'd go to the training table, be closed and shut down. I would go to bed hungry. And so it, there was a lot of sacrifice. And so, uh, but nowadays, there's coaches for every team, but you can still, and, and the facilities are incredible as well they should be. But now there's coaches for every team, but you can still, and that's even more, it's, it's better have those individual relationships with just the members of that team. And so it's, it's that's a great role still through all the years, Eric, that is the great thing about this profession is you're, yeah, you better know what the heck you're doing and or you wouldn't have got the job anyway. But still, the, when you care about those individuals, um, then there's, I don't think there's a job more reward, rewarding than what a strength conditioning coach can provide for a team. You know, I'm thinking about themes in the profession that really are timeless and one thing we talk a lot about today is uh, mentorship and who we look up to and who we learn from and where we get our experience. And I think that uh, that comes through in the book, but I want to ask you guys and Jerry, we'll kick this off with you, you know, getting in at the early stages, who are the mentors you looked up to? And also, you know, what are the chapters in the book or the stories that that were your favorite and just some of the stories that, uh, that came up through, through the book. Well, Mike Marks obviously was my first mentor. He gave me the opportunity to, to, to coach at North Carolina. I had very little experience, very little knowledge. Uh, I'll never forget the time he had Chip, myself and the other part-timer, uh, in the weight room. And he said, he said, Jerry, why don't you, Show me a power clean. I had never power cleaned in my life, but all summer long I kept watching his players power, power clean just as an observer. So I 
I took a shot at it. He said, that's not too bad. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. But 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 Coach Marks gave me the opportunity. And um, he uh, introduced me to the profession. But then when I went to Oklahoma State, John Stuckey really became my professional daddy. And he really invested in me as a, as a man, uh, as a Christian, as a, as a coach, and really taught me how to coach. And... Uh, uh, truly feel that, that that's what I am a disciple of. And then, um, yeah, so that, that's where my mentorship has come from. And then obviously over the years, just continue to learn from your, uh, your peers and, and the association, uh, the NSCA, and just continue to grow professionally. But uh, yeah, when I think of the, the uh, I, I think what's most meaningful to me and as I really look back, is, is some of the people that, some of the kids that I really invested in and uh, truly felt like they were uh, uh, sons to me. And there was a young man by the name of Russ Campbell at, at Kansas State who uh, was a, he actually went to the Air Force Academy. And when he went there, they, they, they had him eat by the numbers, you know, you know, up that, and, and he couldn't get enough food in. So he left, um, he left after about a month and he came to Kansas State um, right before we started a, a training camp. And he and I just hit it off and we just kind of fell in love with this kid and he really became a, um, another son to my wife and I at our house all the time. And, uh, just became an older brother to to my uh, our son, my daughter, and uh, just a great guy, uh, great young man who has uh, been very successful in life. And uh, the amazing thing one time, you know, when when, when my career kind of ended and they transitioned me out of the weight room after Coach Conklin got released from the Giants, uh, he called me up and he said, he said, Coach, all those values you taught taught me. 25 years ago, I now use those to teach my business team. And that says a lot as far as, you know, having an impact on someone's life like that. So that was very special to me. Chip, how about you? Mentorship, who are your mentors, mentors in the field? And uh, just some of the stories that uh, made, you know, made your path uh, what it is. I would have to go along with Jerry and Mike Marks who gave me that opportunity um, so much. Uh, he was very, very patient with me, uh, us, all of us, but say from my, very patient. Should have fired me a couple times. Uh, very patient. Uh, Bill Whiteman, the strength coach at uh, a high school in Kannapolis. Uh, very instrumental. We would discuss a lot of things. Um, then at Appalachian State, two people I like, uh, Dr. Michael Stone and Dr. Um, uh, Harold O'Brien, the exercise physiologist there, sports science guys. I always included them in what I was doing at Appalachian State. They really respected that. I would say to collegiate strength conditioning coaches, get a relationship with your exercise science department. Don't leave them out. Let them be involved in what you're doing. 
I remember uh, a story in the 80s, Eric, uh, you know, the Jane Fonda aerobics were out, right? And our indoor facility at Appalachian State was um, the balcony, the cement balcony in the basketball arena. Cement up in the balcony. And so I did, and the winters at Appalachian State and Boone are horrific. And so I got caught, I had the football players twice a week only, just in the summer, just for a periodization phase, um, just for phase and periodization. I got called in by, I had them do aerobics with some aerobic dancers who taught aerobics, <laughs> Jane Fonda. And I got called into the exercise science department. Harold and uh, Dr. Stone, Dr. O'Brien were, hey, Chip, you know, you're, we heard what you're doing. You know, the, your bench squat cleans are going to go down. I said, guys, and I explained to them why. I said, you're exactly right. And you know what? They did. They did go down. And it's something I'll, but I think it's important to have those people involved in your program. I like what Buddy Morris says uh, when he believed it was at Pittsburgh. I'm thinking I may be wrong. He's with the uh, the Arizona Cardinals now, and but he says, uh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to the exercise science to people, people just to ask them how high I can jump, something like that. I should that my players should be jumping anything I can ask them. I want to know what their philosophy is. Eric, you talked about stories in the book, and there's movies that could be made off a lot of those stories. One that really touch me and I, see we we had to edit all the stories when coaches would send them to us we the process of of having the coaches the, your story had to make an impact it could only be so many words and you want your stories to have impact and so that was the criteria we'd get the we'd get them and we divide them up and how to edit those stories and I was sitting I was finished training my athletes I went out to eat and I would go over the stories and the one I went over was Johnny Parker. And I cried. And my wife, I said, Michelle, you've got to read this. And she called me back. I'm crying. Johnny talked to the little, the little girl he talks about in the story. I'll start crying now. <laughs> Did not know she was going to be in the book. And it changed his life. It cha he was coaching basketball, middle school or high school. And he he would drive the play, he would drive the athletes home. And one little girl, she said, he said uh, she got out. She he she was the last person Johnny let off that evening. She said, Coach, come out here and see what mom and dad got me in my own basketball goal. And then they sat down, and she said, Watch me. He sat down, watch me uh, uh, practice, Coach. And they sat down, and she started crying and crying and finally when she calmed down, he said, what's wrong? She said, coach, you never helped me. I wanted to show you what I can do because you never helped me. He was very selfish like I was and we all are sometimes in our professions and it changed his path, it changed his career. And we all know about Johnny Parker now. My goodness, there's, no, there's nobody greater talking about Jeff Connor, his struggles in West Virginia, coming up in a, a coal mining town and walking across the athletic field and 
the bullies and everything. And I had to overcome so many things. I could go on and on, but Eric, here's the, here's the deal with these 32 stories. Everybody overcame adversity. Everybody. So much adversity. I remember, and I hate to use this, but I remember having the flu. I didn't know if I could take one more step. I thought I was going to pass out. And this was on my lunch break, but I knew I, I had to go back in. Nobody's going to, I don't have a, I can't call up, have somebody else. And so we all go, and that's what's great. And it's, it's life, overcoming adversity. And man, it just makes you stronger. It just makes you from a mental, physical, emotional standpoint, spiritually. So that's what's great. I'll, I'll, I'll pick a story just to read for, for that day or two. And still, I've read all of them. And just what those coaches went through uh, is just um, is just um, it's 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 just a great great venue to go and read and what those guys went through. Chip, Jerry, uh, really appreciate you guys taking the time to uh, to talk about the golden age of strength and conditioning. It's a book that you can have on your shelf and keep going back to, like you mentioned, and just read a story and go back in time and and learn about how our field got started uh like we do on the podcast uh every episode you know share uh would you share your contact info your email with our listeners to reach out if they have questions or they want to connect yeah uh, jerry palmary so my uh, email address is jerry j-e-r-r-y p-a-l-m-i-e-r-i 910 at gmail.com. Chip, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Um, it is um, my uh, uh, email, chip segment at Europa, E U R O P A sports.com on Facebook, chip segment, calls my business Instagram, train with chip, chip segment.com. I do want to mention, if you don't mind, Eric, uh, our publisher, the Core Media Group. Did an outstanding job. There's three men on the back of the book who wrote um, endorsing the book, Mac Brown, Dick Vermeil. Need, need you say more about how that can make an impact and people read it. He was very, very, um, talking to other coaches, uh, loved the book. And then Alonzo Mourning, Hall of Fame, had the pleasure of coaching. Uh, one of the most intense athletes I've ever worked with, but, but I apologize. Uh, but uh, those are my, that's my contact information. Uh, so um, uh, Eric, we cannot thank you enough for giving us an opportunity. No, absolutely. This is a great resource for everyone in the field. And uh, thanks again for being with us to everyone listening. We appreciate you taking the time and uh, going back to the early days of, strength and conditioning and hearing some of those impactful stories. We'd also like to thank Sorenex Exercise Equipment. We appreciate their support. Hi, this is Ivan Lewis, head strength and conditioning coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Thanks for listening to the NSCA Coaching Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts to have the latest episodes delivered right to you. Also, take your career forward by joining the NSCA's Registered Strength and Conditioning Coach Program. 
Learn more about becoming an RSCC at nsca.com slash RSCC. This was the NSCA's coaching podcast. The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.